G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. As we think about celebrating Easter, what we need to understand is that in the days heading into that very first Easter, celebration was the last thing on the disciples' minds. Fear was what they were feeling. And it's in the midst of fear that Jesus brings hope, real hope, the sort of hope that changes everything. Diamond, and it's great to be with you again. Today we're going to take a look at this whole Easter thing from a different perspective. There have been days in my life, and I know you've had days like this too, where I've woken up after a fitful night's sleep with a knot in the pit of my stomach, with a sense of fear and dread so deep, so unavoidable, that I felt paralysed, unable to function, unable to face the world unable even to see the faintest glimmer of hope for the future. Can you remember the last time you experienced that feeling? It's just awful, isn't it? You wouldn't wish it upon your worst enemy. I don't know how you celebrate Easter, but back in the days leading up to that very first Easter, there wasn't all that much celebration going on. In fact, if you were one of those 12 disciples, celebration was the very last thing on your mind. What was dominating their thinking was fear, gut-wrenching, that knot in the pit of your stomach, will I be crucified too, kind of fear. Jesus had been warning them for some time now that he would be crucified. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on that third day be raised again. That seemed Utterly bizarre to the disciples. I mean, they'd seen him do amazing miracles. They'd seen those up close. They'd listened to sermon after powerful sermon where he spoke not just his wisdom into life here on earth, but with authority about the kingdom of heaven like nobody else. Jesus, this Jesus, captured, crucified, suffering. No way, says Peter. In fact, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on the divine things, but on human things. Matthew chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. I doubt very much that your reaction or mine would have been all that different in the face of the evidence that pointed to this Jesus being the real deal, the very Son of God, would it? And yet, as the days drew closer to the time where Jesus would be betrayed and crucified, you could feel the fear in the air. The plot to assassinate him was unmistakable. It hung in the air, and the disciples weren't just confronted by the possibility of complete disillusionment at the idea of that Jesus, their Jesus, their miracle-working Jesus, being crucified of all things. But in their minds, in their hearts, gripped with fear, they were wondering, well, will I be next? Will they nail me to a cross too? Well, it's the sort of thing the Romans do... What if I get caught up in this? What, what if I'm nailed hands and feet to a cross? 
Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the place of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and they conspired to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. Matthew chapter 26, verse 3. All they could see and feel, these disciples, was the fear. It's almost like they hadn't heard the rest of the prediction from Jesus. They, they couldn't hear it because they were afraid. While Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves and he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified and on the third day he will be raised up. Matthew chapter 20 verses 17 and 18. See, I see a lot of myself in those disciples. How about you? We're driven, by and large, you and I, by self-interest. And there is no greater motivator than self-preservation, is there, than saving your own skin. And on those days when we're afraid, that's all we can think about. As we celebrate Easter this week, in a way that would have been so incredibly foreign to those fearful, quivering disciples, I wonder how much your own self-interest obscures the powerful, life-transforming message of hope that is Easter. I wonder... The sad thing is that it's especially in those dark places on those dark days that we need the peace and the hope that only Jesus can bring, which is why he spoke these words to the disciples not long before the end came. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. The message of Easter is a double-sided message, two sides of the one coin. It's a message of freedom from the past and hope for the future. It's a message of forgiveness and a message of a glorious future. Some years after the terrible events of that Passover, the Apostle Paul put it this way. Part 1, the message of forgiveness and grace. Paul wrote, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished upon us. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. That bloody spectacle on the cross was all about paying the shocking price of my rebellion against God and yours. Through the suffering of Jesus, we received mercy. Through the suffering of Jesus on our behalf, the punishment that we so richly deserved has been lifted from us. And just a few verses later, Paul talks about part two, the message of a glorious inheritance, the message of hope that can dwell in you and me, should dwell in you and me, if we believe in Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 to 14. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. And it's that message, that certain hope, that takes the fear away. I know that there are people listening in today for whom there doesn't appear to be a single bright spot on the horizon, no hope for the future. And for you, today, I have good news. The good news of Jesus. No matter how bad your past has been, through Jesus the slate is wiped completely clean. Completely. And no matter how dark your future may appear, in Jesus you have the certain hope of an eternal inheritance with him. Living for eternity in the presence of Jesus 
who died and rose again for you. Hallelujah. You wouldn't believe the number of people who write to me who were at the point of taking their own lives because for them all hope had been lost. And yet when they heard of the hope that they have in Jesus Christ, that pulled them back from the brink and changed everything. Life without hope is no life at all. A life without a hope for the future isn't worth living. I know. I've been on that edge. And it was Jesus who pulled me back off the ledge. It was Jesus who gave me hope. It was Jesus who gave me life. Those disciples, they couldn't see it until they saw the risen Jesus with their very own eyes. And then everything changed for them. Everything. They spent the rest of their lives. In fact, they gave their lives in order to tell the rest of the world about Jesus. And this hope that you and I have in Jesus is the only hope that turns a life around for good. Nothing else can deliver what the hope in Christ can deliver. My prayer for you this Easter is that this powerful hope of the eternity that you have ahead of you will rock you to the core and transform your life completely, utterly. Jesus. easy just to kind of drift out of our relationship with God. You know, you just get so preoccupied with everything else and one day you wake up and realise that your relationship with God ain't what it used to be. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of my special edition book, How to Get Close to God. I'm believing that as we open God's Word together and get back to basics, the Holy Spirit will speak through His Word to show us that God is much closer than we thought because His Word is alive and active. Amen? So I'm praying that God will draw you ever closer to Himself through this book. You can request your free copy right now. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and we'll send it straight out to you in the post. Again, that's ChristianityWorks.com or 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for joining me. I'm Bernie Diamond and I'll catch you again same time tomorrow with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.